So I want to get us ready for some of our family get-togethers. So we're going to have a debate to start. <laughs> we're talking about greater today. What is greater? And so I figured I had three things. Uh, like I said, this, this started on Friday night. So the three things was about all I could get out of it. Um, three things that we're going to take a poll. You're going to raise your hand. And vote for one of the two. If you don't care for either one, just, just sit there, okay? Number one, all right, Coke is greater than Pepsi, if you're in agreement. I'm not even going to bother with the other one. Uh, Pepsi, all right, well, that wasn't too bad. Like, first service, it was like 75 to 1, so better. All right, next one. All right, nerd alert, here we go. Um, Star Wars. Star Trek. They're louder, but there's more of the first one. That's good. All right. Uh, this one really just settles an argument between me and one of my small group members. So, uh, Moe's, Qdoba. Oh, no. All right. You were wrong if you did Qdoba. Um, sorry. Uh, we, what is greater? We have a habit uh, in our culture of not enjoying things. Uh, w- one of the things that, that I, I think of is as a sports fan, as a basketball fan, um, watching LeBron James play basketball is something else. He, he's an athletic freak of nature. He is able to do so many things. But his entire life, from age 18 on, he's been compared to everyone else. Right? Is he better than Michael? Is he better than this person or that person? We can't just enjoy things in the moment. We're always wondering who is greater or who is the greatest. I think as a blanket statement, what is on the screen, Jesus is greater than me. I think we would probably all raise our hands and say we agree with. Uh, Jesus walked on water. Jesus died for the sins of all mankind. Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And, and some of us waited in line for 30 minutes for Krispy Kreme this week, right? So there is a... I did it twice. But we, there, there's a pretty big difference between Jesus and me, right? As a blanket statement, I think we would all agree with that. But the problem is that life isn't about blanket statements, Yes, we believe Jesus is greater than me because he walked on water and I haven't. But is Jesus greater than me when it comes to his plan for my finances or me trying to control it? We believe that Jesus is greater than me because he died for the sins of all mankind. But when we're stuck in a rut, do we think Jesus is the one that's going to get us out? Or do we think that we just have to try harder? When we look and say Jesus is greater than me because he defeated death, well, when we look at our lives and we look and see maybe about our families, uh, the, the pain that they have trying to control everything that they do, trying to control every search, uh, circumstances around us, do we trust Jesus to do that or do we take it upon ourselves? See, as a blanket statement, we would say Jesus is greater than I am. But then when we get into our lives and look at where we are, chances are there's a lot of times that we think that our plan in our way, is a little bit better. John chapter 3 is where we're at today, if you want to turn there. Jesus has been baptized. He has gone in and he has talked to, just coming uh, fresh off a talk with Nicodemus, and he has come back. And when he comes back, he takes his disciples off, and uh, and we see uh, something happen with John the Baptist. 
verse starting in verse 22, and I'm sorry it's so small on the screen. It was not that small when I, on my screen. Uh, so these things are called Bibles, and you guys can get it out and take a look at it. Verse 22, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, John was also baptizing at Anon and Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put into prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man... Who, listen how they say this. That man who, you, who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. John's followers have followed him probably for quite a significant amount of time. They have seen that he was preaching about somebody else, that someone else comes, he's baptized, and I think John's followers thought that's the last that we'll see of him. But he has returned, and not only has he returned, but some of the people who were with John are now going over to him. And so they come to John and said, listen, we've kind of spent a lot of time following you. Now there's somebody else here in this mix. What should we do? So John replies in verse 27, A person can receive only what is given to them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. John understood that it was his job to point towards Christ. It was his job to show the world who was coming. And he says that my joy is complete because my job is complete. I have pointed people to the Savior, and now they have a chance to go and to follow him. And so if they go, and if they follow him, why should I feel anything but joy that people are doing what they are called to do? But the thing is, if there's anybody who could really boast about being a really good guy, it was John. I mean, he has a miracle birth story that we see in Scripture. We see that he had quite a following of people who came. He was kind of influential. And we see in Matthew that Jesus says that among all those born of women, no one is greater than John. This is the guy who created everyone. Jesus who created uh, everyone. Jesus is saying Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Moses, all these people, anybody born of woman. There's no one who has come who is greater than John. I mean, that's a pretty big pat on the back. And yet here, John looks at the situation and he says, my job is not to be this big thing. I must, the phrase that we're probably more familiar with, I must decrease so that he must increase. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we doing the same thing? Later on in the New Testament, we see kind of uh, the similar thought presented by Paul, and he uses two different phrases. Romans 8 and 5, it says, Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. In other words, those who are focused on their flesh are focused about me. And that those who are focused on Jesus live a life in the Spirit. And so the question we have to ask is not as a blanket statement, not as something that we can retweet or that we can favorite or that we can do anything on social media, but in our lives, in every aspect of our lives, is Jesus greater than we are? Because the repercussions, if it's not, are pretty serious. The first question we have to ask is, what does a life look like if we become greater than Jesus in our 
hearts and in our minds? Well, the first thing is really simple. We, we're more likely to sin. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. They do not equal up. We cannot follow our own selfish desires and still be concerned with what God wants us to do. When we take our eyes off the cross of Jesus, we're more likely to see things that are more appealing to our human nature. When we take our eyes and move Jesus from the place he should have in our life, we end up doing things that we want to do. The things of the flesh make us feel good. They make us feel popular. Uh, they, they bring us renown. And all of those things to ourselves, we think they are good because they feel good, because they seem right. And so when we become the focus when me is greater than Jesus, when that is the case, we're more likely to fall into sin. We look at a story like uh, the story of Peter in the Bible. When Peter was with Jesus and when he was with the disciples, he was on fire for, for Christ. He was the one who says, I believe that you are the Messiah. He is the one who was very zealous when they came to get Jesus. He was the one that stood up against us. Peter was this guy who was very on fire for Jesus. But you see, once Jesus was taken out of the picture, Jesus or Peter had a decision to make. And when the little girl came to him and says, aren't you one of his followers? He ceased to be about Jesus and started to be more like himself. And what does he say? No. No, I don't know him. And he does it three times. You see, when Jesus ceases to be the focal point of our lives, we become the focal point of our lives. And we make the decisions that we make based upon what feels good, what feels right, or what we want. And so when we look at our lives and we are greater than Jesus, the truth is we're more likely to sin. The second thing is we're more likely to carry the burden that we were never meant to carry. Because if Jesus, if the cross ceases to be the focal point of everything that we do, the cross that takes the sins of the world, if it ceases to be the focal point of everything that we do, where do the, sin, the weight of the sins go? On us. When the cross ceases to be the focal point of everything that we do, what happens when someone sins against us or someone breaks our heart? It doesn't go to the cross, it goes on us. And we feel that weight, and we carry that weight. When we go and we watch the news, or we read a newspaper or a blog that talks about all the bad things that are happening in the world, if the cross ceases to be what we are focused on, where does all that weight land? On us. And we end up carrying weight that we were never meant to carry. And we go through life burdened by these things. We go through life carrying them all on our shoulders when they were never meant to be there. Galatians 6, 8 says, Whoever sows to please their flesh from, from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. When we live a life for us, focused on the flesh and the things that we want, then what we get is everything. Right? Good, bad, indifferent, we get everything and those things are worldly things and they lead to destructions all they do is add weight to the things that we have to carry the baggage that we carry around but if we focus on something else if we focus on the spirit then we're going to see that that's not the case so when we increase we're more likely to sin we carry more of the burden and the third thing is we only seek to make decisions to bring ourselves fame everything is about us when me is greater than Jesus, we are solely concerned with what makes us happy, what makes us popular. 
We see this very early in the church. The church is just starting, and people, very wealthy people, in fact, are selling all that they have, and they're giving the money to the church so that they can take care of each other and to start to spread. We see that some of their names are actually listed in Scripture if you read the book of Acts. And there are two people, a married couple, who see what's going on. They see all the accolades that these people are getting because they're selling all of their land. And so they decide that they're going to do the same thing, except they're going to keep a part of it. So they go, Ananias and Sapphira, they sell their land and they bring it to to Peter. And they say, this is everything that we have. Which was a lie, because it wasn't. They kept some for themselves. But in other words, they came to, to Peter and says, Hey, we want the recognition you just gave to him. Tell everyone how great we are for giving you this. What happens is the Holy Spirit strikes them both dead. Because they go in seeking their own fame. They want their names written down with the names of the people who helped start the early church. They wanted their name on the brick that goes on the first church. They wanted their life to be there in the limelight instead of Christ's life shining through them. You see, when we increase, it's all about us. Which means we're more likely to sin, we're more likely, or we will carry the weight we were never meant to carry, and the only thing we're ever concerned about is ourselves. And John probably had a right to say, I don't know who Jesus is coming in and taking my followers. Because I feel like I've lived a pretty good life. I feel like I I should get more recognition than I'm getting. But he chooses not to. Because, see, a life that is lived when Jesus is greater than we are is a whole lot better. The first thing, if we are more likely to sin when it's about us, we're less likely to sin when it's about Christ. Proverbs 16.6 tells us, Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. Hebrews 12, 1-2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Think about this in a a relational point of view. If you're focused on your husband or your wife or your best friend or your kids, and you're focused on them, and you're wanting to make them happy, there's a good chance you're not going to do things that mess that up. If the cross is at the focal point of what we do, then there's a better chance that we're going to see it and be filled with awe of it than be appeased by the things of this world. We're going to keep the cross as the focal point of what we do. We're less likely to go chasing after things that make us feel good because we have all that we need. When we decrease and Christ increase, we're more likely to avoid sin. The second thing is we are more likely to let Jesus carry our burdens, our cares, and the worries just like he says that he wants to. Matthew 11 Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. Jesus says, Listen, I will take on the heavy stuff. The cross takes on the sins. The cross takes on forgiveness. The cross takes on all the things that we try to hold on to when we want to control everything. And he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Paul writes in Galatians 5, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. 
Paul says, you're not set free so that you can just go back to the things that you wanted before. You're set free for freedom and enjoy that freedom. Don't carry the things that you were never meant to carry. Allow God to carry. Allow the cross to take the things that weigh you down. And in a life about us, we bring ourselves fame. But in a life about Christ, we bring Him fame. Galatians 6, 14 says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He says, "Do I live my life as Christ. I don't care about my fame or anything else. I, I just want Jesus to be glorified in everything that we do. We want to make sure that our lives are in the same way. When we care more about Jesus than we do ourselves, then it's going to be evident to other people that we're living for something more. And we desire something more. John had a great argument, really did, on why he should get some attention. And another guy in Scripture had a similar argument. Paul writes in Philippians, If someone else thinks they have a reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul basically says, I am the child that your mom wished they had. I have followed everything that I am supposed to follow. I have done everything I'm supposed to do. I have a pretty high place in society. I am a Pharisee. I am zealous for the the law. I'm persecuting these people who are called Christians, who are telling me that the Messiah has come. I'm doing everything that I was supposed to do. And in regards to me, and in in regards to the flesh, you can't get much better. But you see, when Jesus enters your life, you live by a different standard. So he says, whatever were gains to me, basically all this stuff, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness on my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. In other words, I don't want to be known as someone who did everything for me. I don't want people to look and say, that's a good man. I want people to look at me and say, that is a man who loves Christ. He continues, I want to know Christ, yet to know the power of His resurrection and the participation in His sufferings, coming like Him in His death, and somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, and this is the key for us, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I don't care about all these accolades that were given to me. He says these are garbage as long as people know Jesus Christ. And I don't carry anything with me, all the stuff I put behind me, and I press on towards the goal that means Jesus is greater than me. You see, here's the thing. We may agree that Jesus is greater than me. We would also agree that out of 100, 51 is greater than 49. And in our lives, there's aspects of our life where we say, yeah, Jesus is greater than me, but it means that it's a 60-40 split. Jesus isn't concerned of being your majority owner. 
He doesn't want to share you. Jesus is, wants all of you. He wants every part of us. He wants our finances to be 100% Him and 0% us. He wants the way we treat our family to be 100% Him and 0% us. He wants our Christmas to be 100% Him and 0% us. Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. The truth is this. The reason that Jesus is greater than me is not because He lived a better life, but because He has a better life for me. He has a better life for all of us that lives focused on the cross. And so the question I have today for you is this. Is this true? Not just in general, but in every aspect of our lives, is this true? And how true is it? Is it 60-40? Or is Jesus really the focal point in everything that we do? Let's pray. Father, this world likes to tell us how great we are, how great our plans are. It gives us step-by-step on what to do. It gives us ideas on how to live a better life, to be a better me. But it's all about us. You have a way that is about you. A way that when we focus on it and focus on your son, we're less likely to do the things that take us away from you. A life that is free of the burden of our sins and the sins that others have made on us because you have taken those and crucified them, nailed them to a cross. Father, you promise us that we are able to be your ambassadors, to be representatives of you in this world. Father, John had a job to point people to Jesus and to tell them that Jesus was here so that they could have an interaction with him. And here we are 2,000 years later here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. We have the same charge. To show people Jesus and to show him the world that he is here. And so, Father, I pray that today we would not leave this place if there are still parts of our life that we're trying to hold on to, that we're desperately holding on to, that today we would let it go. For you are greater and you are able. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If today you have a decision to make, whether that is to surrender whatever it is that you're still holding on to to God, or if today the decision is to join this church family, whatever it is, whatever you have, there in your seat, or if you come forward, we invite you to make that decision today. Let's stand and let's sing.